main speaker for this evening, George W. from San Diego. My name is George. I'm an alcoholic. And uh, I want to thank uh, Larry and Joe for allowing me the privilege to come out and participate and share with you guys tonight. A um, couple of disclaimer things just right out of the gate. Uh, my sobriety date is September 12th, 2008. Um, my sponsor's name is John H. I have a home group at Solana Beach Men's on Monday night. If you're up in North County at 8 p.m., come by. We'd love to see you. And uh, you know, I've had the privilege of sharing this message with a couple of guys in this fellowship that would call me their sponsor. You know, without those things, I don't think I'd be here today. And uh, welcome to the newcomers. Um, if you're like me, you hate hearing people tell you that from podiums like this. I just, I couldn't stand it, man. I wasn't happy to be here, you know, and I didn't get why everybody's all shiny and just so happy on a Saturday night to be at a meeting, you know, don't you people have anything better to do? Um, but really when I tell you welcome is I, I hope you found what I found here. Um, and that's a way of life that did not look as good as I have found it to be. That's as simply as I can put it to you. Um, yeah, so I think that's all of it. Um, we'll get into it. Our book asks that, uh, that I share with you tonight in a general way what I was like, what happened, and what I'm trying to be like today. Um, so I'll go ahead and do that. You know, I don't know if I was born alcoholic. Um, I, I really don't try to get into that debate. But what I can tell you when, I, when in the doctor's opinion it talks about being restless, irritable, and discontent um, is I relate to that. And what that looks like for me is that when I sit in um, pre-kindergarten and it's nap time and I was tired at 10 o'clock, not 11 o'clock, right? And I wanted to take a nap then, but you wouldn't let me and I don't like that. Um, and now it's 11 and it's nap time and we've had our little snack and I'm not really down with taking a nap. And, and what I know at nap time is that the good toys are unattended. And I want at the, there's no line to get the Tonka truck, man. And I, I, I've been wanting that thing for a week now and I can't get at it, right? And so I know the toys are unattended. And so what has happened is what I'll do is I'll get up, I'll wait till everybody's not looking, and I'll get up and I'll sneak over there and I'll play till I get caught. You know, and I get caught and I get reprimanded. And the next day is my head tells me, now you need a buddy. And so I'll nudge the little kid next to me, man, and say, hey, man, let's go play with those toys, right? And then it's his idea. And I've already got a fall guy. <laughs> You know, and I do that over and over again. And so where that puts me is, uh, is separated from you. Is I'm the kid they've got to put in the hallway and close the door. You know, because I'm disruptive. And I don't know where that comes from. That's just on the natural, man, is I'm disruptive. Um, I've never, my, my sponsor, he makes it pretty clear to me that I, that I don't bring a lot of unity to things. You know, he, he talks to me a lot about that part of the traditions, this bringing unity and trying to trying to unify, and I've just never been good at that, you know. So that's that's pre-K, man, is, is I don't want to take naps, and I don't want to follow rules, and I don't want to listen, and I, I already have better ideas about what I need to be doing. And that just, in my experience, does not lead to a good and fruitful life, um, is I just keep bumping my head against the wall, you know, and so... And I grew up in an I grew up in an alcoholic home, and I can say that because my mom my mom was sober for a period of time before she passed away. And um, I will tell you this about alcohol: is I watched what alcohol does in a home firsthand. You know, I know what it's like to sit there and not want to have friends come over because um, we don't know if it's going to be a good night or a bad night in the house. You know, I know what it's like to have that door bedroom door closed and um, hear it start to spool up, and that fear that goes on in my stomach. Um, and I feel like I want to hide in the closet because I don't know what's going to go on. But I know if I'm caught hiding in the closet to get away from it, it's going to be worse. So I kind of just have to sit there, you know, and spend night after night just wondering, are they going to, you know, is she going to come in tonight? 
Is it going to be one of those nights? You know, I, I know what that looks like. And I remember saying to myself very early on, as I said, I will, I will never do that to anybody. It's, it's just horrible what I see. Right now, I also see the good times. I see the parties, man, and I know what happens when the cups are getting passed around. You know, Mom's always got the bottle of vodka in the freezer, and so I know that there's good, and I see the bad. And I remember when I was in school, they had Dare, and and uh, <laughs> just say no. You know, if, if that was it, I wouldn't be talking to you tonight. I, I'll, I assure you that, newcomers. If I could just say no and leave it alone, I would not have to come here and speak with you, good people. But um, but that Dare program came in, man, and I remember I was paying attention. I mean, I'm serious. I took that seriously because I, I didn't, I didn't want to perpetuate this thing that was going on at my home. So I went through that D.A.R.E. program, and I remember taking that very seriously. And, um, you know, what happens for me is uh, curiosity. It's curiosity. You know, I took my first drink at, uh, I was 12. Kid came up. We were in Orange County. Kid came up on the train. Um, and I, I don't know where the idea came from. Is I... No one told. I knew we could get the vodka. I knew we could. I've seen it mixed with orange juice, so I know that's good. Um, and, I, and, and I intuitively knew that it's clear. We can put water in it and put it back, and we'll get away with it. And we did that. We had a couple of screwdrivers. Put the bottle back. I never got caught, man. We went down to the arcade, had the best time I've ever had in an arcade, and nothing bad happened, right? And I filed that away. You know, we moved back from um, we moved back from Anaheim, man, and moved into this little apartment complex. This apartment complex has got a, you know, it's got these picnic tables stationed outside in the complex, right? And it's always right outside an apartment. And uh, and and we pull up in that U-Haul, and there are those kids that your parents don't want you hanging out with, hanging out 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 at that one right outside of my place. And I don't know what it is about that group of kids, but I see them, I identify, and I want in. I don't know what they're doing. I don't care. I just want to be a part of that. And I've always gravitated towards that. And so what those kids do is they drink and they smoke and they tag, you know, and they vandalize and they, and they get into a little petty crime and all that, man. And I'm just in. I am just in. And I'm going to tell you what, for all the bad times that I've had around alcohol um, and all the hangovers and all that is, is my head doesn't remember that stuff. See, I remember the good times. I remember the magic. See, one thing that's different for me in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I hope you hear this when you're new more than tonight, but a lot of people would say things to me like, you know, George, you shouldn't drink. And see, if you've got the insanity that rolls around in my head that I'll kind of share with you, right? Then you must not know what happens when I take a drink of alcohol because you would never ask me to give it up if you knew the pain that I had going on in here and here and the, the way that it eases it, right? And so, you know, these little kids drink and smoke, man. And I remember this, this is, alcohol is absolutely magic for me. What my experience shows is that I will trade everything that's good and decent in my life for one more chance that tonight's going to be a good night. Right, one more shot like it was when I was like 14 to 19, when it was the good times, man. What? Just one more chance. I will trade everything for just that thought, right? So I sit up in this. I used to ditch school a lot. I never wanted to attend school very much, and uh, I didn't see the point. You know, I wanted to learn what's going on at the corners. And anyway, I'm home from school, and I got my window open, and all the ki- these these degenerates go to school. I don't know what's wrong with them, and. Uh, so I'm waiting for them quietly at home. You know, I'm trying to think of mom's drunk downstairs. If I just stay quiet, she won't wake up. And maybe I'll sneak by her and she won't even know that I didn't go to school. You know, and so I'll, I'll have that window open and those kids will get out. And I hear, you know, the type of activities that go on when a bunch of 14 to 16-year-old kids are out unattended at a picnic table, man. It is I love that noise, right? That electric, I hear it. And I think, yep. So I sneak downstairs and I may or may not get caught on the way out the door, you know, and I may or may not grab a couple cigarettes out of mom's purse. And I come around that corner and that laughter and that excitement stops. 
And I don't know what your head tells you when that happens, but what my head tells me is you guys were talking about me. There's some kind of inside joke that was going on, right? Is now I'm what's funny. Um, and somehow I'm different. And, and I sit down at that table. See, and I sit at that table, and I feel like there's a line that gets drawn around that table, and it just circles everybody and just cuts me out, man. And I'm not trying to tell you that that doesn't go away after time, because it does. If I sit there for long enough, you know, kind of cry, the tension kind of eases my mind. will kind of wander away from thinking about me or whatever, right? Is that tension will go away. But I'm going to tell you the magic for me is that if we can pool our money up and we get five bucks and we go down to that liquor store um, and we get somebody to we get somebody to uh, to buy me a 40 and a pack of cigarettes, man, and we uncap that thing, dude, and pass it around. I take a swig. Everybody takes a swig and it comes around again, and I hate the taste of it. I hated beer for years, but I drink it because that's what it is, because what it does for me. I'm not drinking because I like it. I'm drinking for what it do- how it makes me feel. And we get that thing around enough time, and if I can keep it down, See, is it quiets all the stuff that goes on in my head? See, when I pass that 40 around enough times, is it makes it okay that there is dishes in the sink that have been growing mold for two weeks and that my house is an absolute disaster because we're playing one of those wars of I'm not going to clean it, you will, right, with the mom, is we're playing that one. It, it makes that okay because I don't care that there's dishes in the sink dirty. I don't feel bad about that. I don't feel bad that we drive around in an old beat-up car. I don't care. And it flips that switch in my head, man, and... and it's okay, right here, right now. And that's all I've ever wanted. That is all I've ever wanted. And what happens is is uh, I file that away. And um, I'm trying to time myself. I don't want to wear anybody out or go on some extended drunk log. But um, I file that away. And I'm going to tell you what is I just I see that side of life, man, and I want to pursue it. And so I do. And I get involved in all sorts of activities that come along with that sort of behavior. Um, And I think it's all acceptable because I'm out doing what I want to do. See, that's my theme song. It always has been. Um, It has been until I came into Alcoholics Anonymous and I was dying and I couldn't figure out why. Until you started telling me that I need to act different. But it's always, I'm not hurting anybody. Mind your own business. Leave me alone. Man, just get out of the way, right? Just let me go and do what I want to do. I will find people that will be all right with what I'm doing. And that's where I go. And so I go. And so what happens is, is you know, this. it's interesting that our book talks about um, alcoholism being a progressive illness. You know, because what happens is at 14 for me is at 14, you know, we're doing little petty stuff, man. We're breaking into cars and stealing hood ornaments or whatever. And, you know, I'm ripping mom's car off and leaving it places because we can't get the clutch started up a hill. You know, and so we just wipe that thing down and just leave it. And maybe mom will forget where she left it, right? And some friends will come over and tell her, hey, your, your car's at the smoke spot. How'd it get there? You know, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I just start doing those things. And so at 14, it's that. And at 17, um, 17 it's it's already bad. You know, and what happens is at 14 years old is, um, is I remember my mom had three heart attacks, man. And uh, and I was home to call the ambulance on her. You know, and I watched her do the flop and I watched them take her away. And when our book talks about selfishness and self-centeredness as the root of my problem, and I'm going to tell you what that looks like in my life. See, as she's sitting in that hospital bed on life support with the tubes in her and stuff, not conscious, and they wheel my happy butt over to the hospital, and all I can do is stand at the edge of that bed and think about how this affects me. How much school time am I going to get off? You know, I have no idea what it's like to sit there and be a son to a mother who's laying in that hospital bed. See, I don't have that in me. I'm so consumed with self that I just stand there and I wonder, am I going to get to stay at Tammy's house tonight so I can go and get drunk? Because i got to take that away. 
you know, my mom passed away a couple of days later, and I remember saying to myself, you know, it's the theme song, right? Life isn't fair, man. Look what, you, look, what, look what life has done to me. And I just think all I want to do is run the streets with those little hoodlum friends and pursue that lifestyle because I'll probably die anyway. You know, and so at 17, is, um, you know, I'd, I'd push my grandma to the point of throwing me out because um, I wouldn't come home. You know, I can't go to public school. Um, I can't go to continuation school anymore because I'm not, I'm not, I don't bring in a unity, man. I'm just disruptive, you know, and, and I can't even attend homeschool. So I just drop out. You know, at 17 years old, I'm living on the streets down in Ocean Beach running around a bunch of old people. Well, old people, they were old to me at the time, right? But um, I'm running around with these kind of kind of hardcore group of kids, man, and I just don't know how it's gotten there. You know, and at 19, I remember it so... There's already, like, that's bad enough, you know, and I had to sit down with the uncle and we have this talk about what I'm doing to grandma, and again, it's, you know, I don't really care, man, I'm not, I'm not hurting, there's nothing wrong, I'm getting by, leave me alone, I don't, I'm not really concerned about your problems. See, that's another thing is, I will get all this stuff together, like, you know, nice little group of friends, nice, nice little, nice little place, I'll work together a place to live and stuff, and uh, I can put all that together for a little period of time. But what happens is, see, I always, I have no idea how to treat things that are good and decent in my life. I just don't know what to do with them. And I burn it to the ground. And that happens over and over again. And what starts kicking my butt about alcoholism is the time I can hold those things together starts getting shorter and shorter. You know, as I can hold it together when I'm 16 and 17 for maybe two years, right, before I have to get a new group of friends. And then at 21, 22 is now I have to leave state because of what's going on and my behavior. You know, and I would sit in this apartment before I left state and uh, see, this is the magic really is I would sit there, I would come to on a Saturday morning to the sounds of a quiet apartment. And that apartment was full the night before. And it was full of people and they were partying and we were all having a good time. And before my eyes opened and my feet hit the ground, as I have this feeling in the pit of my stomach that I now know today is like guilt and shame and remorse only, I don't know that. I just wake up with that feeling. And before my feet hit the ground, is that house is quiet and I know I did it. See, I did it. I've never been able to lie to me about me and the things I do in those quiet moments. Is I can't, I can't hide me from me. And I would take these walks down the hall to this apartment where everybody else would go when, they, when I have one of those episodes, man. And I'd sit in that room and I'd listen to these people tell you that I'll go to jail. I'll go to jail for. You know, we can get in fights and we can cause crimes and we will do all that little hoodlum stuff. These are my people, right? As I love them. They're family. And they tell me the things I did the night before. And it just floors me, man. You know, I sit on this couch, dude, and I just want to crawl in between that little couch cushion because I have no idea why I would treat these people that I tell you I love. I don't have an explanation for that, but I can't not have an explanation. So I just sit there and I take it. And again, the magic is, is about 20 minutes later when we go down to 7-Eleven and we get a 12-er and I put a couple beers in me, is now I think it's funny. My head tells me it's funny. So I don't know what happens to you when you drink. But when I drink, everything I do is okay and it's justifiable, right? And a couple more beers and then I've got a story as to why it happened. This little truth maker in my head starts rolling that thing around like a rock tumbler, this big old lie, right? Until it's polished and it's true and it comes out. And two more beers. I don't know if this is true or not, but I would convince you that if I could get you to listen to me long enough, you would believe it, right? And that's this is all within six beers, man, right? I mean, Jesus, life was coming to an end 25 minutes ago. Six beers in, it's magic again, we're good. And I'm off to the races. You know, and so... I burned that group of friends, man. And I'm going to tell you what, as I had to change states and 
that's when it, it just got bad. I, I saw what was happening to my friends. I saw they're going to jail, and I have no delusions that I'm any smarter than anybody. I just knew I was lucky, and I knew I, prison's not a place I need to be. Um, and so I told myself it'll be different in Arkansas. I'm going to pull it together. You know, get that GED, and I'll, I'll go to college. Within six months, man, I found that same group of friends. They just got different faces, and I'm doing the same thing. You know, and I'm going to tell you, my experience with that is... Um, it got to a point, really, um, it's all fun and good when it's partying, you know, and I don't know when it stopped. You know, I don't have, like, a date that I can tell you, you know, like, May 24th and good old 07, it, that's when it just changed. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, when, when Norm A. talks about life for the alcoholic is seconds and inches, is I can relate to that. Because it's from 14 to 24 that all these little decisions that I've made seemingly pile up on me. And at 24 years old, as I've, taught, I've tried a lot of times, and I've been through a lot of group of friends that I love, and I've tried a lot of times to put the brakes on, and I can't. And like I said, in those quiet moments, man, where, where I can't hide me from me and I run out, and there's no more booze in the fridge to put me to sleep, because I can't, see, I can't sleep anymore. 24 years old, as I've got to have enough alcohol in the fridge to make me black out or pass out, I cannot go to sleep anymore. I'm scared. I'm terrified. And I can't sit in a room with myself with the things that go on in my head. And who do you tell about that? You can't tell anybody that stuff. They'll think you're crazy. They'll lock you up in a nut ward. And I know that. So I sit there and uh, I've tried a lot of times to moderate that stuff. You know, I really did. Is I, I really, I don't like what, what I'm doing to those friends. Um, and I know I've tried to stop and I know I've tried to control it and it just isn't working anymore. It's just not working anymore, right? And this is where it gets to it for me is... Um, See, I would always hate when I, I would go over to my brother's house. We'd hang over at my brother's house, me and this girlfriend and, uh, and his kids and his wife, and we'd all party, right? And uh, I would be gone for three or five or seven days or whatever it is, right? And I'd come bouncing in and think we're going to go over to my brother's house, and no one's going to, you know, it'll just be fine. It'll be another one of those nights, man. And either my brother or his wife will pull me outside, you know, give me this rationing, right? The freaking, you're killing yourself. You can't keep doing that to her. Nan, 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 on and on and on and on and on, right? Oh, don't lecture me. And then it got to the point where they just wouldn't even say that. You know, I'd come over off one of those runs, and, uh, and I'd walk in that door, man, and he'd just shoot me that look. You know, or I'd come home, and she'd get off work, and I'd been there. And she just shoots me that look, man. And she doesn't even say anything to me. And she just walks by, goes in the room and closes the door. And I'm sitting there dying inside. You know, and occasionally they would, they would, they'd look me dead in the eyes and they'd say, you're killing yourself. You know that, right? And I say, I know. See, because I've been to the doctor. See, I've been to the doctor and I've done a little physical and I've got the call back. And it's never good when you get a call back <laughs> from a doctor. And, uh, and they tell me, you know, how much do you drink? And I lie, right? How many drinks? Two or three. Same thing we tell the cops, right? Why is it always two or three drinks? It's not three. It's not two or three. Who's counting? But he, he tells me, he says, uh, you know, he says, you've got, you've got advanced liver damage. You know, you're going to die if you don't quit drinking. And that scared me to death. It scared me to death to stay sober for eight months. See, eight months. And the, it's interesting that our book talks about in our mind where the crux of the problem is. See, as eight months sober, as I start forgetting how bad it was. See, I just think I've been doing it good at school. I got enrolled in that college, man. I was making A's. The guys want to go to the bar. Well, I've had A's for six months now. I can drink. I can have a couple drinks. 
The only problem is, is I forget that I don't have a couple drinks. I take two drinks and I forget why class is important, man. Why would you, right? I, I forget that I was supposed to be home for dinner. Well, dinner's not, right? Yeah, it'd be 30 minutes late. 30 minutes late for dinner, right? And 30 minutes late, well, one more. I'm already 30 minutes late. And it's like three hours late. And then I'm really going to catch it, right? And if you're really going to catch it, you might as well stay gone for two or three days. Let's get, let's get our money's worth, right? <laughs> I mean, if I'm in trouble, let's, right? If you're going to be bad, be bad. That's what I always say. And uh, that eight months, you know, it's eight months. Eight months with the do- medical professional telling me, you know, this is what you're doing to yourself. And I believed him wholeheartedly. Eight months until my head tell me it's okay to take a drink. You know, and, and like I said, is I, I, this girl, she's, she's not having any of it. She's she is done right. I got her to move in, and we signed the lease. And she, I remember she pulled me aside one night when I come sneaking in through the bedroom window or something, and she says, "You know, um, all right, there's some window sneakers. That's that's good to know. That's good to know." Um, yeah, man. She she pulls me aside and she said, "I I want you to know this so you can make plans for yourself." She said, "We're we're not going to really renew the lease. I think you know that." She said, "We're done." I said, "I know." See, I'm not fighting anymore. See, at this point, is I've watched what I've done to her, and I've watched what I've done to my brother, and I hate myself for it. So the one thing I, the, the only thing I had left to control was the fact that I would, I wouldn't lie to her anymore about it or him, where I was going or what I was doing. When they would tell me, "Will you stay home the night after I'm asleep?" is I would just say no, because I can't control whether I'm going to go or not, but I can control whether I tell you I'm going to go or not, and I just tell her, "No, I'm going to leave." You know that, you know, and. She's not having this man, and I, I end up, you know, I move into this place, and I get a three-day eviction. I didn't even know that was possible. I felt like they ha- they have to give you 30 days, right? And I, I come home to this three-day eviction, and I'm like, wow, is that even legal? You know? I didn't think that was legal, but this girl, she puts me in, and, and this is, I spent the last three months of drinking in that woman's back bedroom that she was nice and left to let me stay in, and we were like ships passing in the night. You know, there's no more conversations anymore. She just shoots me that look like you're killing yourself, and she won't really talk. And by this time, see, as I don't know what you do, but by this time, she has to sleep with her car keys and her credit cards inside the pillowcase. Because, see, when my money's gone, I need your money. And when your money's gone, I need your car so I can go do illegal things and not get caught in my car, right? And so, you know, if you tell me, you know, George, all this problem you're going to have, you're going to end up with this girl that you love, that you tell, you tell everybody you love, and she won't trust you enough. She has to sleep with her car keys and her credit card inside the pillowcase. Not me. Not me. I'm a good guy. But those last couple months, man, I'm going to tell you what. The twisted thing about it is I would sit on the side of that bed um, in the morning, and I'd always try to leave a little bit for the morning. You know, I got to if I'm going to get some cigarettes, right? And I can't even check the mail without a drink. I can't go to the store without without taking a couple drinks to just just kind of get right, you know. And um, I would sit on the edge of that bed with that bottle. And I'd look at that bottle and I, I, I would just sit there and I'd cry. I'd just sit on the side of that bed and I'd cry because I knew I did not want to drink that. Like, to, you know, I didn't know when when's going to be the day that, she, that that's it and she kicks me out, right? Because that's when all hell is going to break loose. And, and I knew every time I took that drink that this is, it could be the day. And I did not want it to come to that. But I know from experience that it's only maybe a couple hours at best until I convince myself that I have to. And why waste a couple hours in pain? Let's just go ahead and get on with it. You know, so I'm just sitting there bumping the bottom. And what happened is, um, I don't know why. I, or really, some cops were involved. 
Um, I had her sister's nephew in the car, and we were in absolutely not the good part of town, which was where I ended up staying. You know, the, the parts of town with the motels that you rent by the hour, and you stay for, like, days. And all the activities that go along in those seedy, like, I don't even want to sit down in them, but here we are again in this place. And, uh, and I'm doing all that, man, and the cops were involved. And, and I remember, for whatever reason, they released me to her. Huh. And I remember begging the cop, take me to jail, man. Don't send me home with her. She's going she's gonna to kill me. And he's like, I know, you know, <laughs> good luck. And, uh, and she threw me out, man. And, and I don't know, somewhere in the next couple of days, I ended up on the phone with, uh, with my aunt. And she, she'd heard. And she said, um, she said, we think you need help. And I had my buddy in my car. And, you know, we're, we do the men's man stuff, man. You don't ask for help. You don't allow any, right? I got this. I got this, man. And uh, I don't know why yes came out of my mouth. And she said, we think you need to go to treatment. And I said, okay. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you the difference from that and is that previous Thanksgiving is I'd sat in a treatment facility. I sat in a treatment facility and I did what I've done my whole entire life prior to coming into Alcoholics Anonymous with, a, with, the, with the knowledge inside that I was dying. I was killing myself. See, I sat in that first treatment and really I, what I told myself is this is for the crack cocaine and the methamphetamine. But I, I cannot, I really, I cannot... I cannot understand how you go out there in a world that I don't want any part of and not put a drink in me to make it bearable. How do you do that? I can't even go to work. And you want me to live out there not drinking? You know, so I stayed, I stayed sober that first treatment uh, long enough to take a 30-day chip <laughs> to show to her and let, get, give me the car keys and then I'm gone, right? But I, I got checked into that second treatment center, and I'm going to tell you what. What happened to me is that I have no idea why um, I was beat up. There, were, there wasn't any more plans, man. I, I, did, I had no more juice in the tank, dude. I was just done. You know, I, I just felt bankrupt inside. I was dying, man. And I just didn't want any more of what I was doing to me. Just no more of it, man. I couldn't, I couldn't come up with a lie to tell myself why it was acceptable, the things that were going on. And I just I, I had this fear in my heart that I wasn't going to die in a quick death. It was just going to be bumping along the bottom, slowly getting worse, slowly getting worse. You know, and I sat in that treatment center, man, and a little girl came in. And um, the difference is, is also when I sat in that first treatment center, see, is what I've done my whole entire life is when it gets bad, see, I know I get some relief just by telling you that I know it's bad, right? You let me off the hook a little bit. And I think that maybe just by telling you're right, I should change. You're right. That is unacceptable. I really shouldn't act like that. That by then is I expect you to then do something for me. You know, when I sit in that treatment facility with that attitude, this ego and this arrogance, and I just sit there and think that just because I've said it's bad enough and I've come to you, that that should fix it. And as any of you know that have been sober for a little bit, is that doesn't fix alcoholism. It just doesn't. Sitting in this room tonight is not going to treat your alcoholism. It's not going to treat mine. The second time I had a lady came in and she told my story and I pulled her aside afterwards and I said, Jesus, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing to not live like that anymore? She said, weren't you paying attention? <laughs> She's like, I just told you. She said, I have a sponsor and I work the 12 steps and I sponsor women. I'm involved in service. That's why I'm here today talking to you. And newcomers, I got to tell you, is I did not want to hear that. I absolutely did not want to hear it was what everyone else was saying it is, right? I want it to be the, like, the once a week meeting where you get like a little checklist or something simple, you know, little instructions for the week and you can just go on about your merry business and maybe just come back and, you know, like just something really, really great corner cutter. I want to do 
40% of the work and get 100% of the credit. And, uh, and she pulled the covers on me. She said, that's what I do, and I don't have to live like that anymore. Hmm. And I said, okay. You know, and I was fortunate enough, I got, um, I got hooked up with a group of men and, uh, and a sponsor who, uh, who just loved me enough to tell me the truth, man. And it was not anything that I wanted to hear. My experience in Alcoholics Anonymous is a majority of this stuff seems absolutely excessive um, and, uh, and has, has literally nothing to do with whatever problem I have presented to you on whatever day that ends in a Y it is. You know, is whatever I've brought to you in your suggestion just doesn't sound like it has anything to do with it. But here's the difference is, is again, I told you I'm dying. See, I remember about 45 days sober. I'm sitting in this sober living and, uh, and I'm, long, I'm, I'm rattling off this laundry list of problems to my sponsor. You know, no money, and where's going to buy my cigarettes, and I don't have a car, and she's not calling me back, and no, 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 And um, he made me run through. He said, yeah. He said, tell me where she's not calling you back. He said, that, that girl you tell me you love, right? Yeah. She won't return my call. He said, oh. He said, so where's, where's that nice little car you used to tell me about, that Tahoe with the remote start, you know, on the subs, that, that fancy automobile? Where is that? Well, I had to leave it in Arkansas, John. And the girl sold it to uh, repay some of the debts that I had. Oh. So when's the last time you've gotten up in the day and did anything productive for society or brought any value to anybody you've ever been around? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, John. I've never wanted to. You know, and he tells me, so where are you standing? And I'm like, gee, you know, you know, you know where I am. He said, humor me, man, tell me. So I'm sitting in a freaking sober living, man, in Kearney Mesa, dude. And he said, yeah, he said, who's buying your cigarettes? Your aunt. He said, what makes you think if you get any of that stuff back, you're complaining to me that you need, that you won't lose it again? See, he had me. See, I've had all the stuff, all the whatever I think the problem is at the time. The problem for this alcoholic is, is I don't keep it. See, I have no idea how to hold on to those things. My actions by default drive them away. And what he told me was, he said, George, he said, I'm not going to promise you to get any of that stuff back. But essentially, he told me, he said, we work those 12 steps and you won't have to drink again. And we'll see if God won't sort all the rest of that stuff out. And that's not what I wanted to hear and it doesn't make sense. But my experience is, is I was just always pointed to action. You know, he gave me this laundry list of things to do. Um... I mean, he's kind of militant, you know? And, uh, you know, be here and, and we're going to meet and don't waste my time. And if you're not ready, you need to let me know. I will not meet you and do not flee. You know, and da, 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 call three drunks and we're going to get through the steps. And it's like, Jesus, man, you know, calm down. And uh, he, he gets me every time with it, right? Every time I, I, I balk at him, he says, you know, you don't have to do any of this. And this is what I tell my guys I sponsor. He says, you don't have to do any of this stuff. I said, let's be clear. But if you don't want to drink, I suggest you do it. See, I don't, I don't have to hear anything else after my sponsor tells me that. You don't have to do it, but you'll probably drink if you don't. And I say, okay. Okay. I went to this home group that I hated because um, it's a men's group. <laughs> and there are no women at men's groups. And I just, I hated it. I hated it. This is Alcoholics Anonymous work in my life. This is the steps bringing this God that I did not, right? God killed my mom. I don't want a part of God. No, no loving God would take a mother from a 14-year-old child, right? See, that's what I bring to you. What I found through doing the steps and watching this thing work, right? See, I don't believe it just because it's on a wall and you tell me it's true. 
as I've got to experience it. I've got to see it happen in my life. And what I can tell you is, is after I sat down with that man and I'd, I'd written out an inventory and I sat with him and did what our, our program of recovery describes as a fifth step. This is the burning bush for me as I sat in that room of Alcoholics Anonymous and I looked across the room at all the men and I hated them just a little bit less. That's it, man. That's it. Is I just hated them a little bit less. You know, and I, I, it was enough to keep me going. And I'm going to tell you, when we got to the ninth step, um, it was interesting. I got to, uh, you know, I hadn't really sp- spoken with my aunt or my grandma, you know, for years. Years. I just can't. I mean, what would make a grandmother after, you know, after a grandson's mom dies? Imagine what you've got to do to that poor lady to make her kick you out too. I, I can't. I mean, I seriously, I can't imagine. I have no idea how many nights I stole that poor woman's emotional security. See, because I'm selfish and self-centered. I have not once, not ever, stayed up at night worrying about another person who lost sleep. Not once. I sleep just fine, thank you. <laughs> and when it was explained to me that even more than the money and the stuff um, is, is stealing that kind of stuff from her, right? As I sat down with this woman, and the difference in Alcoholics Anonymous than anywhere else that I've been, is if, see, you didn't tell me what not to do. You showed me what it is we do do, and then you walked me through it. You know, and I was given specific specific instructions to make amends to her. Um, you know, and for the first time in my life, as I looked her in the eyes and I let her know what I was aware of that I did wrong, and I paused and after, asked her if there was anything I'm not aware of, <laughs> and there was. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and she, she fired it off, you know, and without missing a beat, as I knew what my sponsor told me, what the book says, as I looked at her and I said, now what can I do today to make that right? And this is where you had me. And she said, I'm proud of you. She said, I haven't worried where you've been at night since you've come to those good people in Alcoholics Anonymous. She said, I want you to keep doing what you're doing. Now I'm stuck. I'm stuck. If, if I've got to make that amends to stay sober, right, and that's the amends, that's the actions, I've got to keep coming to you people, then uh, you got me, right? But thankfully, you dummies keep saying, keep coming back, so you must want me here. And... Um, <laughs> But I just sat there, you know, and we, we continued on with the rest of the steps. You know, my sponsor urged me, he said, if you want to stay sober, you'll sponsor men and Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and it's been my privilege to do that. You know, and what life looks like today is I really, as I do, I try to do the same thing I was told when I was new. It's amazing how simple this thing is. I hate it sometimes. I'll come to my sponsor with some enormous problem, man, and he'll tell me the same thing he told me at 90 days. How many new guys are you putting in your car? You know, how many, how many new guys are you talking to? Who do you have in the book right now? How many service commitments are you holding? What are you doing for someone else other than yourself? See, that's always been my problem. I don't know about anybody else in this room. But the more I try and fix what I think I need to have fixed, the worse it gets. The more I come and share this knowledge that I've found here and through our program of action with you good people in this room, the quieter my head gets and the better I sleep. And that sounded hokey as hell until I watched it happen. You know what I'm going to tell you is that that home group today has saved my life. Saved my life. You know, another thing is I've sat in speaker meetings like this for a couple of years. I hated them in the beginning. But I had the privilege of hearing people talk about this living amends, right? They get into a little bit of detail. And my grandma passed away last year. And uh, it's interesting that because you good people, you know, told me, why don't you go visit her regularly? And I go down there and I bring her a 12-pack of the diet soda that she likes. That's it. Right? It ain't, it ain't rocket science, man. And I sit there and I feel like I need to have this big, long discussion, right? Or we need to talk about something meaningful. And what you've showed me is my job is to show up when I say I'm going to be there and to do it repeatedly. 
Be where you say you're going to be. Is my job was just to show up and bring that 12-pack of diet, diet soda. You know, and I did that for a couple of years, and I would sit with her, and sometimes we'd spend a lot of time, and sometimes we wouldn't. But I'm going to tell you what, is that last Sunday as I dropped that thing off, and on Tuesday I got a phone call at work. See, my aunt didn't get that phone call. See, and the person who comes into Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't answer his phone in the middle of the day from unknown numbers. But you've taught me that I need to because I don't know who's on the other end of that phone. And I picked that phone up and they told me the news. And the person who she'd had to have leave her house at 17 was the first one there to sign the papers. And that's not because I'm a good person. It's because of you and what you've showed me to do in Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, that's a long way away from just freaking coming to you with a bag full of dirty laundry wondering when it's laundry day at the facility that I check into. You know, and I've got a couple friends who came out to see me tonight. And uh, that is amazing to me. It's amazing to me that we get friends in here who will show up for you. I mean, I, I, could, not, I could not find a person in my phone book who would show up, right? Towards the end is I'm the guy that when the knock on the door is I can hear your girlfriend arguing how don't let him in. We're not doing that tonight. <laughs> you know? And like now we get to go. We went, we went and had sushi, man. We're cutting up down, you know, down getting coffee, man. And just having a ball and talking about life, right? Old jobs and stuff, man. And I used to have to drink to have a good time like that. I used to have to drink to have that happen. You know, and I sit around a bunch of people who I didn't even want to be with. And I get that. You know, when I tell you... I don't know if I said it, but I should have, that um, you know, I'm happy to be sober today. And I hated that word when I come in here. See, sobriety is an offensive word to an alcoholic of my type. Because I don't want anything to do with it. Because, see, I really I don't know what you're saying. You know, and sobriety for this alcoholic is like when I sit in my home group on Monday nights. And, um, and I just look across the room, man. And just because I've, I've done the simple things that you asked me to do, show up regularly and try to be a service, you know, set some chairs up. Put them away if you sat in one. Give something back to the program that saved your life. Is I'll sit in that meeting and I'll watch these guys come in and I'll watch their lives change. And i watch God work right in front of me. Right in front of me and these guys come in this room. It's amazing to me. You know, I absolutely was not the one that they were picking <laughs> as the most successful story out of that freaking spin dry. You know, they, I mean, there was. They, they would tell me, you know, you, you weren't it, buddy. Um, but because of a loving sponsor who always points me to the book. He always points me to service to others. You know, and, and, and my experience with that is, is when it talks about, Bill writes at the end of chapter 2, some of the effect of, you know, we're, we are now rocketing into the fourth dimension we did not even know was possible, is that's that small little space when I sit in that chair and I'm just here. I'm just here with you. And there's no place I'd rather be. You know, and at the beginning I knew I was safe for an hour. And now I know I'm probably safe tonight. You know, and I didn't come in here with that. So thank you guys.